0: On this, episode on this episode of, of Japan, Japan 2.0 I think my ultimate goal is that I want to open a, a dialogue for some of these like lesser explored subgenres um, in English. Right.
1: This place has let me, yeah. There's a place that's better. but fascination can't go on forever. So real. Like a faded meeting with a brand new new shape from beginning. Two, 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 point, point,
2: point, point. Well, hello and welcome to Japan Two a podcast about all things Japanese culture and subculture. And uh we're really living up to that. Uh our namesake today because uh we have a special guest. Um, But before we do that, I'll I'll introduce myself, and I'm Matt, and this is David. That's right, one and only. (laughs) Yeah, your two hosts. And uh, yeah, our special guest today is coming to us from Alberta, Canada, and it is a chocolate philosophy, or the chocolate philosophy, I hope I got that right. Uh, (laughs) Andrew, Andrew, thank you for coming on the show.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, no, I've been looking forward uh, to talking to you guys for a while now. And uh, yeah, no, it's a good opportunity to kind of um, meet some more people in the scene. I know there's been a couple of people who've kind of reached out to me through uh, Twitter and YouTube and stuff like that. But um, no, I, I think one of the things that's kind of excited about getting going with some of these projects here is kind of opening that dialogue with the community. So yeah, I think that's yeah. exciting.
2: Yeah, I mean the reason why we're we have you on the podcast is because uh you have done this awesome series and you're working on this awesome series, which is the history of Japanese music uh series, specifically Shibuya k mm-hmm. And that's uh that's what we're here to talk about today, the history of Shibuya k uh documentary that you did on YouTube.
1: Yeah. Uh Matt sent me the video about a month ago and um you know, I didn't put two and two together. I think we'll get into it uh, later. But uh, you yeah, have a Twitter feed that we followed, mm-hmm. and uh, the name the name of the YouTube account was a little bit different, and uh, it was the first time, yeah, see- seeing your face or seeing any kind of video content. So, like when I first clicked that, I'm like, all right, let's see, let's see what this person has, you know. And then the next <laughs> thing I noticed, even before you started, was like the length. Right. I was like, holy crap house and <laughs> I talk about should okay for for an hour again this this person who we, we don't really know yet you know who's not really on the scene reporting about it yeah and yeah within like the first you know 30 seconds or a minute it was like oh this is amazing this is gonna be something i'm gonna rewatch, like the new bible for english speakers and should we okay you know um and that's how it's been for me i've gone three or four times now oh times. that's awesome i probably i probably need to do a couple times more over because uh this is so densely packed and so many new things to learn and uh yeah, we're pretty blown away by it. And the fact that you're going to be doing more stuff is really, really exciting. So we're so happy to, to be talking with you and kind of uh, figure out, you know, how you kind of got to the point to make that video.
0: Yeah, no, it's um, kind of a, a funny story how I, I came to start doing this. Like, I, I found the genre kind of like maybe 10 years ago or something like that. Long story short, one of the one of the people, like, this was... Right around the time when, like, YouTube kind of switched to HD, so it was more, like, viable to actually go there and listen to and discover music. And there was this one um, person who... This was, like, the main person who uploaded Shibuya K-Tunes to YouTube. It was Alice Seal. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that channel before, but basically, like, she had, like, one of the best kind of introductory playlists... And, um, there was almost like a, uh, kind of a, a, a really cool like community that kind of lived like through her comments and stuff like that. And it was like uh, me being kind of clueless as to what I was looking at. Like I found it really useful that there was actually like somewhere where I could go and kind of chat with people. Like, yeah, it's YouTube comments, but this is literally like one of the only English speaking kind of venues for that. So I, it, yeah, do you, do on, you
2: remember Oh, sorry to interrupt, but, uh, do you remember what that, like the first couple of songs that you heard were that left an impression on you?
0: Um, I had kind of been aware of the genre partially, um, for quite some time, but like the, the moment that I I had, like, and I think a lot of people are like, I think you hear like clips and, and like kind of tunes that are kind of influenced with like video games, especially if you play like, uh, a lot of Japanese games and stuff like that. But uh, the moment that I realized that like that sound was a thing and there was kind of a whole world attached to it, I think was I was playing a lot of beat mania and I was going through. Great. Yeah. I love some beat mania. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big beat mania fan for sure. And I was going through, I I would go like to the specific artists, like all the in-house Konami artists. I download their um, discography and stuff and I remember finding Eel and Electel. And those were my two first albums. But, it, they, like, they were cool. I didn't really know what they were. But then I was like, okay, well, here's Tomosuke. And he's really interesting. Like, where can I find more like this? So then I found Alice Eel's YouTube channel. And I was like, oh, okay, this is this is a genre. Like, it, there's things to go. There's something here. I can I can roll with this for a while. And then... I think the first... One of the first tracks I heard that really I found intriguing was... um, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. Atelier 507 by Mansfield. Uh, It's just this like really... Like I got that album right away, and that, I was like, "This, this is cool." Like, it doesn't <laughs> sound remotely like, like me and a lot of my friends. We we had kind of been into Japanese music um, through just you know anime and stuff like that, and um, finding kind of the the underground scene and kind of kind of a couple artists who who were. Kind of doing something a little bit more outside of the stereotypical stuff that I think people from the West are kind of exposed to was was very eye-opening to me. It's it's um, such a
1: nebulous abstract genre, right? That I think yeah. everyone stumbles into it very slowly. No one's like, "Oh, there's Cornelius, and this should be okay," and you instantly know what it is, you know. Um, yeah. Because again, some things that are considered should be okay will be labeled as that. I'm like, really? This is should be okay? Like, yeah. It's like, okay. Well, there's this whole other element way over here on the left. You know that I can count as should be okay too. And um, oh, yeah, yeah. even when you speak with Japanese people, maybe we'll get into it a little bit later. There, there it's kind of um, a very blanket term. You know, that covers a lot of things. It's almost about a time and a place and a feeling, really, more than a genre kind of ad- adjectives, I would say. But I think yeah, because of that. Everyone's story, the other few people, the five or six people I, I even know who knows it should be okay, um, mm-hmm. it seems to be kind of like this slow piecing together that, oh, this is a thing.
0: There's so many little um, pieces of it you get. Like, we were playing, um, what was it, Splatoon. Like, we, we got Splatoon, and I like my fiancé was playing it. I was just kind of watching like from the other room kind of thing. And I'm listening to this music, and I'm like, the soundtrack to this is very, like, should we a K influence? Like the like little little like bits and pieces you get. Like I remember watching that what's that movie about the with um the guy from Nick and Nora's Infinite playlist about the he has to like defeat all the ex- Oh Scott oh, Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um that movie had some cornelia stuff in it too like it it it, it kind of just like finds its way everywhere and like because of its nature and how it sounds familiar it's not distinctive enough that you're like what was that like you you kind of if you're into these kind of things you you eventually piece together that it's its, it's own whole thing basically hey,
1: Don't know this answer, someone asked Matt, how did you get into Shibuya K exactly? What was like your first Yeah, mine would be Chibo I have a,
2: a friend from back home, he was a um a good friend of mine and he and I used to drive down to Los Angeles. We we lived in the California desert and we drive to Los Angeles to buy CDs and stuff and one one day, one of these travels he said, You gotta listen to Chibomato, you're gonna love this And it's nice. it was um the birthday cake EP. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of like they're more rougher production and they are uh, they haven't quite gotten into a major studio yet. And so it's kind of like it sounds like it's all recorded on a four track. And I just couldn't mm-hmm. get enough of that sound. And we used to – we would drive in the San Gabriel Valley, which is a very Asian-influenced neighborhood. Like there's a lot of – a big Asian population in, in that part of California. And we'd go and get noodles and let just play – Chibomato all the time.
1: When did you know it should be okay, though? I mean, I knew Chibomato, too, but I I would never know so, yeah. You know, it's 10 years later
2: yeah. yeah shibuya k wasn't until later probably i mean i wouldn't have given it the actual I, I don't think i would have known the actual title until probably you and i were talking about it uh, and some of the um neo-marxism or i, I i'm sure i lo- i knew about it because shibuya um chibomato belonged to that genre but um but i yeah i didn't know a lot of the artists you know and even though i'd had come in contact them, with them you know, before, I think a lot of people come in contact with Pizzicato Five by watching those episodes of Futurama, right? Mm-hmm. And so That's my I'd wife seen, knows
1: knows of it, yeah. Yeah,
2: I had seen those epi- that episode, you know. But um and then all the music from Ka- the Katamari series and then Jet Set Radio, you know, there were a lot of Shibuya K songs I loved, but I just didn't realize the what the genre was, or you know, I mean, there's so many genres these days. It's one of the problems is you know, finding that music you like because what is it? And then, yeah, like what David was saying, Shibuya K is such a nebulous genre that... Um, mm-hmm. and, and and a lot of Shibuya K artists don't want to be considered Shibuya K a lot of the time, yeah. so... Uh, which you know, uh, that's
0: so funny to me, honestly. Um, they want to yeah, be garage the, or, or the genre you know, thing, psychedelic
2: or something, yeah.
0: The, the genre thing is kind of an interesting um, conversation because one thing... I've been talking with a few people about is there, we almost have like this fetishization of categorizing things into, into genres now. Like, especially if, if you go like, uh, record shopping with somebody who's like really into music, they'll start like rattling off, um, like different sub type subgenres genres and types of music and stuff. it's like, you know what those are, but do they exist for like something for you to talk about or do they exist because they're tangible and that music is actually distinguishable like um, if I don't know if you guys are into metal at all but there's so many yeah. ridiculous sub-genres of metal and for me like, metal
1: was the realization that genres are stupid <laughs> yeah like, uh, I was like 18, 18 years old I was like do you like dark metal there's new metal back then oh you yeah there's de- death metal and I was like I don't know man I just like some heavy music That's that's all I know you know no, it definitely
0: the point it's it's really hard to do it but also kind of not fall down that rabbit hole like you could you could go and be like okay these are the these are the synth pop guys and these are the you know these are the um, loungy bossa nova guys and they, you know it's like right uh, I, like just it, it's more useful to kind of talk about how the the movement overall kind of worked sometimes like I don't know I I find I find that tiring especially with metal like metal can can be kind of narrowed down to like six subgenres to me and then that's you're, you're good there
2: I, I mean yeah, so wouldn't that'd... you wouldn't you consider that uh Shibuya K would be kind of equivalent to like you know hip-hop as a genre where it's not only about the music itself but also about like the graffiti the break dancing you know there are a lot of different things that came you know it was like an art movement more than it mm-hmm. was Uh, um, you know, just like a specific genre of music.
0: I feel like uh, towards the end of Shibuke's lifespan, um, kind of the the record labels were kind of pushing for it to be something more than it was in that regard. Like it it had already expanded to just about every corner of um, pop culture. And then here, here was like, I don't know if this was Matador or somebody they did, they were collaborating with like a, furniture company. And it's like, okay, we're going to start selling Pizzicato 5 branded furniture. Like that. The funny thing <laughs> is
1: you mentioned that, and I know exactly what that looks like, though. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> we, we go to like the Shibuya okay Nights, uh, which we'll, we'll get into later. And there's very much, uh, I mean, it's not a dress code, but there's a certain way that the people dress there, you know, uh, <laughs> that's striped, awesome. French, French style, striped shirt and beret, like legit. That's, you know, that is the, the classic look. So it, yeah, I think Matt hit it on the head. That it was a, a movement of a point in time that there's should okay, K furniture and clothing and, and all that, mm-hmm. which, which is pretty incredible. You mentioned genres and labels and kind of one quick thing on that is like, when you go out here, you know, internationally, it is really interesting to see like all that stuff doesn't matter. And it's stupid because things that we would classify being from North America as a certain genre or label will just be in a totally different section out here, you know? Mm-hmm. And it makes you mm-hmm. kind of realize that, ah, it's, it's so subjective.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think it makes it even more difficult for, uh, listeners of certain countries, like our, our, neighbors to the South. Sometimes you're kind of shown things through a lens that are like, this is, this is the center of the universe and everything else sort of, revolves around us kind of thing, which is, I mean, like kind of, like that's the biggest music market, but that's, you know, it's not always accurate.
2: You're talking about America thinking they run the show.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you Forget saying? about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, had, I had a question, which I think we're talking about record stores and labels and genres and stuff, uh, which is, um, well, ha- have you ever been to Japan before?
0: Uh no actually I was supposed to go this year. Um and then a, a couple things happened uh this year that made yeah, uh, traveling traveling uh, a little bit less enjoyable than it uh, usually tends to be. That's right. Um so that that's put on hold. <laughs> but no so wanted, um
1: yeah I wanted to ask you like you're going to get out here right and be an K lover you're going to go to a music store you know and what do that. you what do you imagine that experience is like cuz I want to talk about the what that the reality of that
0: yeah. I, I think that, um, bargain bin section, right? The, no, I'm just kidding. It's the, uh, you're not far off. Yeah. I, I think that it, it's kind of faded. Like if, if you're looking for Shibuya K stuff, that's probably more of a, a specialty, uh, thing. Like I'm sure you could find it like, or what the, what the artists have kind of moved on to doing, but I, I don't, Think and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that um, the genre is is something that uh, people in Japan are really crazy about right now. It, it's just it, it 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 hasn't come back in vogue the way that '90s stuff in here in North America has has come back in style, which is kind You're of You're much more intelligent
1: than I was because I thought uh, I was going to be walking <laughs> into in the whole holy and I had traveled out here and stuff, but we caught the Shibuya Cave, like, um when, really strongly when we were in Korea. And Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't do a ton of record shopping stuff when I was just coming out here from Korea. But yeah, when I moved here, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to go find the citrus. You know, at the time, we were so obsessed with citrus. That was like the really big uh, pull-in. And I was going to go find all the citrus records. It's going to be great. I'm going to talk to the shop attendant and say, all right, can you point me to the Shibuya K section?
2: And what happened, Matt? Yeah, they say, what are you talking about? Like a lot of people, uh, I mean, major record... Chains, they have no idea what you're talking about. If you go to Tower Records, which you would think, you know, the people working there might know a lot of the genres that they have. um, And they might have some Shibuya K CDs and records and things. But um, usually it's just all in the nebulous J-pop section, right? And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's a little bit... I think there's been a slight resurgence in the last couple of years where there's been, uh, you know, Konishi has released like a lot of the Pizzicato 5 back catalog, like released it on vinyl and has been releasing like uh, seven inches of some of their older stuff. And so I think it's starting to go on an uptick. But um, yeah, when David and I first came to Japan and we started shopping – for shibuya k records we had to go into any section that just had like japanese like it sometimes it just says japanese music in kanji right or it'll say uh it'll say 90s j if you find a place that says
1: 90s j-pop then you're you're, lucky you're lucky because that means they have
2: cornelius in there they got you know like even that you have to sift through 80
1: percent of stuff you don't care about you know it's just legit like what we can contemporary pop kind of things um yeah so it's, it was considered pop music, which I always thought, again, you kind of hinted at, you know, later it really became that way and, you know, kind of sold out for money. But I always thought it was like this big underground movement. And uh, to see it categorized in pop music with Ayumi Hamasaki or all these young know, people I'm not really crazy about, I don't know, it's, it's kind of sad, but I guess the reality of it. <laughs>
0: I wonder if it, it will see a bit of a uh, resurgence one day. It's, well, Matt, Matt it's, said it's
1: definitely on an upswing. Like, So we got here maybe six, seven years ago, and we were obsessed with just buying up all these records, you know, because we thought, again, no one knew it. We're like, this stuff's going to go away, and th- this is like history. It was such a great yeah. feeling. I, I kind of missed that feeling of Matt and I were just crazy. Every second we had, we were just digging through, because we really felt we are going to try to preserve this music. Because we meet, I mean, really great Japanese people with similar sensibilities and stuff, and they would always kind of, like, tease us. Or we would say that uh, we want to do, like, a DJ night where we just play, like, Shibuya-K. And they would just crack up. Like, I think at the time we came, it was probably <laughs> the most uncool. And they'd, like, look at us, you know, two foreigners, like, you guys, like, into Shibuya-K? Um, whereas now, there's definitely more. It's seen as cooler. Uh, like Matt said, there's re-releases. The prices of the records are going up now. Um, so yeah. it definitely feels, again, it's definitely not, like, a, a boom or anything. But uh, it felt like it was on an upswing. Obviously, uh, with Corona and a lot of live music and stuff being shut down, I, I really hope it doesn't hurt that momentum. But, yeah. yeah, hopefully with the 90s resurgence that you talked about, which is big out here too, you know, everyone's yeah. been, back, been back in the 90s for a while. We're, we're hoping it comes back to a certain level.
2: There there have well, been ma- magazines that have been doing, like, retrospectives, and they get, you know, Konishi, uh, you know, Cornelius, uh, Kaseki cider, you know, um, they get all these people to come and like do articles and magazines, and um, yeah, and there have been a couple of of big magazines that have done done these recently. So I, I'm I, I'm assuming like, and and modern artists seem to have like a neo Shibuya kei sensibility. Like, there's a lot, in, mm. and you know, I do this series of um, women of Japanese rap. And one of the reasons why I do that series is because I feel like that's kind of where the genre had kind of evolved, and I think it ties into that sample sample based music, right? Like yeah, it's a way to make a certain particular sound, and hip hop is you know uses samples, so you know they go a hand lot of hand. it has
0: that sound too.
2: Yeah, yeah, with the wind chimes yeah. and the the bossa nova flavor, right? And
0: <laughs> it's it's so interesting how um, after. I want to say like 2010 is when more, pretty much things kind of died down with, with releases from in the traditional style for most of the conventional or kind of artists on the scene. But so many people still kind of do carry that sound um, just kind of it, it just it, it, it's like I said, kind of it's like a set of tools that people uh, tend to borrow from.
1: When you go to live events here, there are like there's a Shibuya K night uh, in Kobe where I live called Donuts Talk, and what's the one in Osaka called Matt? uh, Three PM OP. Okay, so we were really shocked. We thought again it's gonna be the classics like you know Cornelius, the Buffalo's Daughter. Like about fifty percent of the music is modern music that they're playing that's been influenced by Shibuya K, and Mm -hmm. I, I have to say when I first went. I was kind of disappointed i was like this isn't this isn't should be okay you know um Mm -hmm. but what we've had to realize is like look if you're gonna do a should be okay night while it was a long stretch of time there's not that many musicians who fit into you know again going back to a label where it's like if you've been doing this for 15 20 years you're gonna get pretty bored you have to kind of expand your horizons you know yeah Um, but a lot of modern music is played and a lot of western music too which um sometimes japan can be very strict like this is Japanese, you know, like, uh, it's only in Japan. And I was, I was happy yeah. in that sense to see that they would play, um, a lot of the British musicians, American musicians and stuff that kind of use that Brazilian
2: sound. French musicians. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen, uh, Konishi, uh, DJ, um, quite a few times and actually he doesn't play any, hardly any Shibuya K. He'll play like two or three of his songs. Like they'll play, twi- he'll play Twiggy, Twiggy, but he'll. I mean, it's mostly like Western Western music, right? And um and it's still considered a Shibuya K Night because it's these are all the influences: Motown, you know,
1: oh yeah, uh,
2: you know, uh, psychedelic, you know, from a certain era, hip hop, you know. He'll play oh, like gosh. De La Soul or Whitney Houston, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was one of those things when we, I first went to a Shibuya K Night in Tokyo. Uh, I mean, they're few and far between. You really have to research to find these things, and it's usually got uh, Konishi DJing. But yeah, it, it was really cool to find that. But I was surprised that nobody plays all Japanese records. And uh, actually, I think I I I've been DJing recently for, with uh, the crew out here in Osaka. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Groove Unchin.
0: Uh yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
2: So uh, yeah, I know I know Groove Unchin, and I'm I've you know kind of connected in his with his crew and uh I'll go and I'll, and he'll spin a lot of like Japanese records uh, really other than h- him and myself like everybody else is playing you know 90s 90s uh indie rock and stuff like that so it's really interesting
1: to see how like the Shibuya Kicks is almost like a nostal- like a nostalgia night like it's almost like another way to say like 90s night yeah which is really mm-hmm. not what I expected
2: and I think I get a pass probably because I'm a Westerner that knows all this weird, obscure music, you know, so like when I play like the the big hits from the day that are kind of played out for a lot of people, like uh I would say, um probably like uh oh, what's the name of that group um uh double barrel who who does that that's um uh, Tokyo, Tokyo soul number soul one yeah Tokyo soul number Son one it. soul set, yeah uh, when I play like their their main hit, you know. Like people go crazy. But I don't know if anybody would have the, the nerve to come up and, and play that, right?
1: Well you've been challenged not to play Japanese <laughs> music too. They say like, hey, next time no Japanese like it's not like a rule, but they just maybe has something to do with that, right? They, they yeah. ask you not to do that. Yeah.
2: Well I, I think it does open it gives it gives people a chance though to I I've heard more since I've been DJing and, and uh I've been going to these things, they're doing more and more Japanese music and it might just be that nostalgia You know, but, um, but maybe, you know, I I do think people are starting to get more of an appreciation. I think they're, they're finding what's great about the genre.
0: Yeah. I think there might actually be a pretty sizable following in, uh, Europe as well. Like I've never ran into any Shibuya K records in like locally, Mm -hmm. but there was a shop in Manchester that had like five Cornelius albums. I think there was something else. I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> <Is> it, uh, <laughs> well, I was even looking for it. I was like, "Oh, that's that's different." Um, like, I'm trying to think of an equivalent um, Western genre that would be like if you played it now, people would be like, "Huh? What? Why? Why is he doing that? What is it?" So, new metal man. It was new metal back. Oh, <laughs> probably ska-
1: '90s '90s ska maybe. Ska maybe ska. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know.
0: Oh. i think i think new metal is is like back in um yeah it's on the custom right, right now just cause, just because of uh chester bennington right like yeah maybe. if you have like a radio on and it's on the on the rock station like every like 20 minutes it's like in park right now i don't know oh, yeah. i i don't know if, if that's just because everyone who uh listens back in school is now working okay. <laughs>
2: Are there any groups that you think are underrated or that people should really look into and find? Because, I mean, I think most people that know of Shibuya K know Pizzicato 5. They know Cornelius. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably know, the like, the second-tier acts, you know, like um, Kahimi Carey, And or she might be top-tier, I guess, you, you, you know, depending on your perspective. But... Uh seagulls, you know, but there's like all these groups, like seagulls sing, screaming kisser, kisser, or, you know, uh, I think I know you're a fan of Yukari Fresher, according to your, your history, you know, it seems like you really dig her stuff. So, but is yeah, there anybody yeah. anybody that you think is really obscure that people definitely should check out?
0: Um... Oh, I could, I could ramble on about that for <laughs> well, the really, comment section on your
1: video. You know, a lot of people were saying time. like, what about this group? Would you, why didn't you count them? Why didn't you consider oh, them yeah. and stuff? And I was almost thinking like, man, you could, even though you have an hour, you know, plus you could do a whole second video.
0: Oh, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, the future, second video future <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> history, history of Shibuya K2. Cause that, right. that, that will be a, that will be a thing for awesome. sure. Let me think. Um, I was thinking about, uh, there's, Two different. There's three actually. I was thinking about today. Um, Fujin Club. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Fujin Club. I don't know Fujin Club. It's like you can kind of think of it as like a Japanese um, Nouvelle vague in a way. It's kind of like, but but they write original songs. So they they I think they collaborate with a lot of like uh, artists who don't typically go into that style and then they do these kind of indie tunes maybe like pizzicato 5 wanted to do like like an indie band right now like i think that's kind of what it would sound like
1: are they contemporary act
0: it's yeah they they're they're, uh, they're active right now like they have been putting out some new material travel and ferry is a track to look at okay. if you want to okay. see
2: yeah maybe definitely we we'll see, it, feature uh, feature it on the show
0: yeah that's a good one yeah. but they have uh, I think the guy who produces or writes from I can't remember. He has a band called Camera Stylo. <laughs> and that's like very uh, Flipper's guitar. It reminds me of Flipper's guitar. It's not totally similar, but that's a really underrated band. I think he has like five albums.
1: I wonder if it's the um, It's not to as talk, the name.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's like more chill. It's not it's not as kind of adventurous and all over the place, but it's really well done, and I would recommend that to, uh, to anybody
1: Some deep cuts, interested man. in that kind Those of a sound.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then there's another, I think they're, they might be associated with them, but I'm not sure. It's called Yapari Kuroko or in English, after all Kuroko. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on this oh. translation there, but they do something very similar as well. Um, I'm kind of into this, like, uh, theory of relativity or, um, what's the other band? uh not fujin club i'm drawing a blank right now but that that kind of like modern indie uh sound is really i, I think what a lot of artists are doing
1: okay i thought you're going into philosophy there for a second like some music hey, no, philosophy no, no. i was like oh, i don't know the theory <laughs> <laughs> i got it yeah yeah cool hey, hey david before we, yeah.
2: before we move on i was gonna ask you who do you think's underrated like, I mean, is there a group that you've listened to? You know, you, I mean, you got a lot of the records and stuff. Is Revolta,
1: baby. In? All about Revolta. 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 Oh, oh, that's a good album. one. Yeah, yeah. A re- early fine for us. Uh, Revolta, Did- they have a, their producer slash DJ is a guy from Shocka um, Zombie. Shocka Zombie is a 90s hip hop group. Um, I found out about them from uh, Cowboy Bebop. They had a, a song on one of the episodes. Unfortunately, not released oh, really? on the... Uh, there's a vinyl release of uh, Cowboy Bebop, and no, it's not, not on episode. there. Which there. which episode? Uh, it was like uh, a recap episode, so one as like ha- oh, halfway that, through okay. the season. Yeah, it's um oh it's I don't I don't know the the translation or anything of the song, but uh, I'll I'll send it to you. It's a really great track, um, like one of my top ten overall. Not even just should be okay tracks, but overall. Anyhow, Tsuchu-Chi uh, nice. is the guy's name uh, who's their DJ and producer, and he's on this. And it's a little Seagull Screaming, so it's like a little hip-hoppy Seagull Screaming Kisser Kisser, I guess is how i describe it. It's the lead really singer. Oh, it's the awesome. lead
2: singer from Seagull, sc- seagull right. Screaming
1: Kisser Kisser, right? Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Anyway, Faith, they do a cover of Faith, which uh, rivals the Limp Bizkit cover of Faith, uh, if you can <laughs> that. Uh No, I, I would say it's, it's much better. The Revolta one. Uh, yeah, so Revolta, R-A-V-O-L-T-A. Shout out to them. If you're listening, Revolt. We'll are nice. <laughs> uh, how about you, Matt? I'll
0: have to check that out. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I
2: always say citrus. I think they're a group that doesn't get their due. Um, I've talked about citrus before in previous episodes. Uh, the, and another group that I think doesn't get enough due is uh, Kipson. They're a little bit late in the Shibuya K genre, but uh Kipzone is like, uh really they really took like the sound and just stuck with it like it's unapologetically shibuya K, you know so i uh,
0: is that the uh is that the correct
2: I, i've been mispronouncing Q- it for years but kip- yeah finally somebody said like no it's kipson because of the scientist that they named the group after i, I used to say uh kip kipphone or Th- Qu- quip Quitphone but i think it's kip own, yeah uh, nice but yeah i, I would um, say those two are kind of are pretty underrated groups that
0: kip, do interesting
2: yeah. things with production
0: okay, that what's that one album modernica in the house yeah yeah that was actually one of the very um, first albums i got in the genre and it i, I think they're a little bit they they're a little extra like they're, they're pretty crazy for shibuya kei i i was like is it all this like crazy but no they they have that one song it's like tension attention please or something like that yeah. like that was one of the very first um actual songs in the genre that i heard and i was like this this is like uh, some next level like sampling stuff right here like yeah yeah
2: listeners if you want to hear something crazy go listen to mission banana muffins Uh, you're you're in for a treat oh if
0: i could own that on vinyl that would it's not
2: on vinyl i believe me i've I've checked and i've talked to some people that released some Kipson. Uh, Releases, and I I said, you know, I put it. I'm putting it out there, so you know, hopefully, one day we get that Mission Banana Muffin on vinyl.
0: There's a There's a label uh, here in North America who's doing all the like City Pop reissues right now.
2: Oh no, I don't know Um, who's doing that.
0: There, I think it's Light in the Attic, and they did they did two big compilations, which are cool, uh, but they also put out Pacific, and if they're willing to do that. I wonder if they would uh, possibly explore some of the like pizzicato material, or even even more. Would be, that would be. It would be great 100%. to get a, a,
2: a another sushi, right? Like another sushi compilation, like the sushi yeah. uh, three thousand and three, and the sushi 40, <laughs> four thousand and four, forty-four. Yeah, forty-four. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bad with numbers too. Bad with talking bad with numbers. Those but, compilations um, are great.
0: I've always laughed at the title of of those compositions. There's, there's actually a moment in the video where if you pause it on the right, uh, frame, I went on a bit of, of a rant about, uh, the title of sushi Three Thousand Three. I just, I think it's funny when, when you're like, you, you're looking at like, okay, here's something from another. Um, oh yeah, yeah he's got it right there. there, there we yeah. Go. yeah. Nice. I, 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 it makes me laugh when, um, you're looking at like here's a here's a piece of media from another culture, and like they name it after food, right? Like that, that's always that's just so funny to me. I was like, well, like they don't name like uh, a compilation of uh, Mexican music like Taco Four Thousand Four. Well, like, Cornel- in all fairness, <laughs>
2: Cornelius's uh, record label was Tritoria, you know, and Pizzicato yeah. Five, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, so there is a lot of allusions to food and and throughout the shibuya K, but you know what funny enough no mentions of sushi i can't i can't think (laughs) of any
0: (laughs) no i i think that it's just because it's easily relatable when people start talking about uh, like cultures or things that they're not familiar with the the immediate jump is to food because that's like what people recognize and are familiar with
2: i think at the time too when i saw what did what did, what did anybody know you know in america north america you know know about japanese culture other than oh. sushi ramen you know
1: i mean we didn't weren't thinking of the music that that's for sure i think sushi had its big mm-hmm. boom in the 90s too right internationally yeah. uh, so i think so time, timely for the music but yeah i mean living in japan stuff that gets put out in english you kind of have to start ignoring names you can't think about it too deeply uh, for the most part i mean there are people <laughs> who are, are fluent in, in language but yeah i mean mm-hmm. you don't think too much about english english names or titles anymore
2: well, I believe it's a German company yeah. that released that compilation. Bungal-
1: Was it Bungalow? Yeah,
2: Bungalow, I think. Yeah. Bungalow Records. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it it, w- it would be awesome to get a new uh, release, you know, with a compilation of Shibuya K. I think one of the problems that they're going to run into is all the samples, you know, with all the sampling that went on in the, in the 90s. You're not going to get a lot of um, companies wanting to license that music and get worried that, you mm-hmm. know, the Beastie Boys are...
1: Public enemy is gonna sue them for a sample, right? <laughs> well, yeah. While we're on compilations. Um, this is my first kind of like time where I liked compilations. I don't know. I always kind of grew up maybe in a pretentious music scene where it was like if you love the compilation, you're not like a real fan. I was, I'm a big one of the biggest differences between that my, myself is I'm a big album person. I come from like a rock background, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, full album. You shouldn't skip songs. You know, if you do, it's not a good album. Um, so for me, yeah, comp- compilations are sacrilege. Growing up and it wasn't until I got here, especially collecting records and records are really expensive in Japan. When well, I was like, should be okay. Hmm. Compilations are the greatest thing that ever happened. You know, you pay like 10 bucks and you get all, all these great songs and find out about new artists. And I definitely think you can't, uh, you have to talk about compilations within should be okay. Cause the record labels are so closely uh, associated with the music, you know, um, hmm. some of the tutorial compilations are just incredible. And they seem to put a lot of time and attention into them too. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, we we'd mentioned um, the the whole, like, BC Boys sampling thing. And that brings me to one of the questions that I had for you guys. And that's um, something that uh, David Marks kind of writes about in on the Neo-Japanism website. And that's the uh, pakuri problem, which is kind of, like, he goes into, like, the, the artistic legitimacy of sampling Mm. in uh, the music and I wanted to hear from you guys what the local attitude that you you may have encountered is with regards to um, like sampling and uh, that kind of the legitimacy of it because it's my understanding is it's a little bit different from North America.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it could go. We could go into some deep, like, you know, uh, conversations on this. I think that, um, I think that less than sampling, you know, it's more about being legit, right? Like David was saying, if you go to a Shibuya K uh, party, there's going to be people wearing like overalls and berets and like you know the the French fashions and you know like leather leather shoes and and stuff like that, right? um there's this there's this aspect of culture in japan and it, with any genre or any type of music that you might be into where you go to the party and everybody is dressed like not like a robot like it's not like everybody's dressed the same but they're dressed in the uniform of the time right if you go to like a northern soul night people are wearing
1: northern soul clothes you know like straight up clothes oh, from yeah. the 60s the lifestyle right? like- People will smoke. People in the northern soul smoke cigarettes more than other genres that I met. Because again, to be au- authentic to the lifestyle here, um, like for us, there's ethnicity and things sometimes tied, or like the neighborhood you're born into. But out here, it's kind of a monocultural yeah. place. So I think uh, your legitimacy is really tied to like again what you wear and how you talk and how you look and yeah, they, they kind of oh, go yeah. all out, you know. So getting into authenticity. I- I think yeah, the conne- the, con- yeah, I spell- the connection
2: there with music is that you know the the people that were sampling sh- for Shibuya Kei, uh like I think you go into it in the video is were the heads the music the people that know about music the nerds the ot- the music otaku right and so um, I think as sampling laws and stuff got more strict and especially like as people were cracking down while. You know, I'm sure Pizzicato 5 wanted to sell their records all around the world, but then ran into some of the litigation issues that, like, the Beastie Boys or or E or De La Soul ran into, you know, while they were trying to sell their music. Uh, I think they went under the radar when they were in Japan and just serving the Japanese market. But I think when they, wow. anytime anything gets more popular, you know, it kind of puts a restriction on sample based music because you just can't make it without getting into some trouble right
1: yeah i have a lot to, to say here too so like japan in general especially in the 80s you know when they're coming up in the bubble um kind of the things internationally that they're known for are things that they have taken or borrowed typically from western culture um and they've made their own in some way right so some of the famous ones are like whiskey you know now a lot of the best whiskeys in the world are now japanese made uh denim or like american cheers uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. American uh, workwear yeah. and things um, they 've saved a lot of these brands that were uh, you know going out they 're going to close for closure and Japan would buy them out and keep them alive and remake them and Now you know people in the west are, are buying these products so i 've always kind of viewed the music as the same way that um, they 're taking a lot of Western influences and reinterpret them reinterpreting them and making something new so i 've always seen for that 's quite widely accepted it 's just like the known thing here in terms of laws or like the mm-hmm. legality um japan yeah kind of had its coming up pretty fast in the 80s and even into the 90s so i think because of that kind of coming into like the first world you know strong gdp country some of their laws are a little lacking with copyright in the 80s and 90s uh you saw a lot of kind of bootleg type things and it'd be okay and it'd be sold at, sh- sold at normal places here i still see that occasionally like i'm really surprised. Um, like, wow, you can still get away. Like, this is clearly ripping <laughs> something off. Like, I doubt they got the licensing for this. Yeah. Oh, this, on like a t-shirt or something. Well, there's just
0: so much more physical media still though, right? That's correct. Like that's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, however though, recently with piracy and things like that, and when I say recent, I mean like the last 10 years, um, Japan has gotten really, really strict about that. And I, I do think it comes down to the physical media and kind of these older people holding on to their, their money, you know? Um, and they've gotten really strict on laws. Like we don't, I, Matt and I both, I don't feel really comfortable like downloading music and things like that here, uh, as compared to some other countries (laughs) for movies or things like that. It could be a little bit with the time times in general, but, uh, yeah, they're really strict about, you know, uh, using copyrighted material on the internet and stuff too. So, uh, I've never noticed like a real people looking down on sample based music, um, as not being authentic or something personally,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, like if you speak to like, especially like musical minded people, that, that tends to be the perception. I know like if I have that conversation with, uh, my parents or something, they're like, like every once in a while a hip hop song will come on if we're, we're like playing music together and they're like, wait, that's that's a The Doors song. What what is this guy doing rapping? Yeah, steel, it? like, Steely
1: Dan, you know. Yeah. And your parents. Was was Marxie saying that yeah. in Japan it's kind of seen as illegitimate if it's sampled?
0: Um, I think that um, it kind of ties into um, it, there, there's this really interesting article. Uh, I can't remember the name of the dude who wrote it, but it's like the, there's, I think there's sort of a duality with some of the media that Japan makes. There's like a Japan for Japan and there's a Japan that's kind of exported to, uh, the rest of the world. And it's like the notion of cool, cool Japan Japan or whatever, whatever, whatever he called it. Um, and I think that, um, the, it's basically, as you had said before, a lot of this like imitation and and um, copying kind of builds on this this like economic boom that happened. But um, I, I I don't think that people really care, honestly. Like like it's just kind of sorry. I lost my train of thought there. If um, <laughs> Oh, no worries. Well, no I met worries. here to help
1: help you out, a bit, most people I met here are just really down to earth. I was just in a conversation with a friend the other day about like the yeah. whole idea of hipster. I got asked once before, like, "Hey, are a lot of people in Japan hipsters?" And I don't see a lot of pretentious nature. I mean, it depends what neighborhood you're hanging out in, but overall, like, yeah, people are just really humble and down to earth, and they seem to just love music or love the art. Again, in in this circle, and yeah, I've never felt uh, any. You know, like uh, when we go to shows, people are very Mm -hmm. open to like sharing their music or putting up the albums. If you know, if they see us really uh, groove into a song, you know, they're like, "Hey, come check check out what it is." Where we've been to shows in the West, you know, or sometimes DJs are a little secretive, you know, about their tracks. Um, So yeah, I've never seen a lot of judgment, you know, for like reusing or or sampling out here
2: personally. I, I, I think too, like all the samplers were developed in Japan, right? Like the Akai uh, MPC and like, you know, all all of the, like of the technology kind of developed here. So I think they had, you know, early on they were experimenting with loops and, um, and synthesizers and stuff to, to use samples and music. Um, and then they were importing that stuff over to like Stevie wonder and, you know, and then the hip hop heads, you know, who got tired of like looping, you know, tapes you know, tape recordings around like microphone poles and stuff like that, you know, and they're like, well, there's a sampler. Yeah. Let's buy all those from Japan. Right. So I think that, you know, it's kind of in the DNA of the technology.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I, what I was trying to get at is, is, um, with having, which trying to take on some of these modern sounds. I think they just kind of threw a lot of that attitude of, of like copyright and, uh, um, like, who, who came up with this sound or whatever. Just, like, straight out the window kind of thing. Like, you can hear a lot of that. Like, if you listen to um, some of those early Enka acts, you're like, hmm, yeah. this sounds... Yeah,
2: kinda... they just stole Rolling Stones songs, right? <laughs> like, I mean, they, they, but is it, essentially what they did.
0: But, but that's also, like, I think some of the um, appeal of some of that to... Like the modern listener, is the Shibuya K stuff or some of these older uh, tunes, regardless of genre, might be a little bit played out in Japan. But like our perspective in the West is like we we're not familiar with who these listeners are. But to to hear something that's like mostly similar but a little bit different, like in a weird way, is like very intriguing like to, you know, and it, you kind of can go down these rabbit holes and be like, this is like a whole another world, but I feel right at home just because I, I grew up on these samples. Yeah. I mean, I for that. me,
2: for me, it was like happy hip hop, right? Like when I started listening to it, yeah. I was like, well, it, they're doing the same thing hip hop does. They're just recording, you know, samples and looping them and then putting vocals over the top. And um, and I was a big fan of you know De La Soul. I'm a big fan of Cut Chemist. I think Cut Chemist is probably like the first person I heard from Jurassic Five. Uh, His production sounded like Shibuya K to me because I was like, there's something about it that's happier than you know most you know the dark dark and grimy hip hop that I was listening to at the time. Combinations of music.
0: Cut Chemist puts on a a really awesome live Um, show. He's
2: he's so you're talking you're talking to Cut Chemist's
1: audience. He's a he's he's a friend of the show. (laughs) We saw them out in Osaka Uh, uh, five years ago or so. With Jurassic Five. Yeah. Live, yeah.
0: Really great. It was really funny when we I went to go see Cut Chemist with a couple uh, friends and we didn't like in my mind, he was like a little bit more on the experimental side. I didn't realize how, um, how much of it was just a straight up like dance party it was mm-hmm. going to be. So we were, we were there early, and we like got a table, and I was like, people started flooding it, and we're we're like watching like things are starting to happen. It's like, why are we sitting at a table? <laughs> we need to, we need to go over there where everyone. You has thought it was the sit. head nod DJ no, no. show, you know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, just where you kind of sit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um,
2: you know, before we, we're going to have to wrap up a little bit, uh, soon, but before we do, I did want to ask, uh, you know, the history of the Shibuya Kei, you know, where did this idea come from? Why are you, why are you doing this? Because, um, it's, it's amazing that we have this resource now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I really appreciate it. And like David said, it's going to be our, our Shibuya K Bible. We're going to learn about new things, but, yeah, what, <laughs> what,
1: where did this idea come from? How did you go about creating it? Yeah, how did you get all the information and like put it together? You know, from that standpoint too. You can...
0: A lot of uh, Google Translate and lucky finds, basically. No, um, I think the, the the idea of making that video is something that I kind of wanted to do for a really long time. Um, I had this the. The music channel was like it just so, just when I, whenever I was like bored or something, I just go and put music up on it. But I was like, you know, there really isn't a uh, English summary of this genre, or if there is, it's like three minutes long and not very detailed. But uh, I knew that I wanted to get into making videos, and COVID happened, and I found myself with a lot of spare time. So I was like, uh, okay, well, maybe I should start off slow and, uh, do something a little bit less ambitious. And I kept thinking of it, like what, what I would start with. And it was like, no, I, I have to just go for the big one first. And I jumped into it. Like I, I had never edited a, uh, a big, you know, a long video like that before. Um, it was my, my first time doing that. So it was like this huge, like sprawling learning process going through the whole thing I started with the script, which took honestly, it took like a month to write the script. I'm not surprised. Like first I found, yeah, I, I found the, the, um, the David Marks stuff. That was really, really helpful. But then I started trying to, I got into like different artists and I found that there's a lot of old, like, there's some, there's some like magazine articles and some books and stuff like that. But, What's really useful are, are the little like uh, there's these little vlog or uh, blog posts that are in Japanese, and if you just it, it, I'm not good at typing in Japanese, but it, I just kind of lucked out a couple times. Like I found the I found the blurb about uh, Keigo Oyamada being kind of a nuisance in school <laughs> that way. Like it turned out that his aunt just had a a blog and. uh you know, just just very meticulously trying to go through each artist and try to like. Even Wikipedia has good information, but if you like, if you go to like page six of <laughs> Google, you'll be you'll think, oh, here's an article here that says something I haven't seen before, and you know, I I think I did okay. I give myself like a six out of ten on that script. Like I, I think there's a lot more uh, that needs to be said and covered. And that's why I really, I think I need to do, like, a, a follow-up video. But I don't know if it needs to be, like, the history of Shibuya Part 2. Or, I think it's going to be, like, I might do a series on um, Konishi mm. or Keigo specifically and do do it maybe in, in parts or something like that, just so that people can kind of get... Uh, like, I, I think if I do it that way, it might have more clarity, and that would be better than just trying to stick everything into one project. Cause that, that proved to be a bit as of a As a challenge.
1: fan. I would prefer more episodic. Um, it's cause I, well, I don't know how much material you had planned for your channel. Maybe you have like a ton of ideas, but I just think, uh, in general, oh, yeah. like, as yeah. someone, you know, has been, should be okay for a long time. Uh, eventually there, there is a stopping point. So, um, if you did episodic, you could kind of mm-hmm. carry that out and get people to anticipate or get more excited, you know, for, for each episode. Um,
0: yeah, I actually have a I have a couple interesting things coming for the channel. Um, but one one of them is I, I kind of have a little bit of a different workflow now, so I should be able to get uh, material out there a little bit faster. Uh, but one thing I, I want to try experimenting with is th- just the whole process of editing is so much yes. work. Like it, I just by chance I got last week off, and it was like. Seven ten hour days of like video editing straight. And it's like the thing, the city pop video is still not where I want it like at all. So I think I might actually start, um, hiring people to kind of help with some of the more tedious parts of the editing and just other little things like that, that can kind of like let me focus on the parts of the project that I want to kind of spend my, my time on. But yeah, like episodic stuff, uh, would be good. There's that, like the list of videos that I want to make is oh, like nice.
1: sure,
0: sure, that sure. long. Like I, I'm not going to run out of material uh, anytime soon. If, if people want them, they'll, they'll keep coming. What's I, the biggest I'm thing
1: impressed... you learn from the,
2: Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. Ex- excuse me. No, I uh, know. I was just going to say, I was impressed with like what you were able to find because David and I have been on the internet for a while, like searching, you know, researching some of these artists. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you had a bunch of surprises for me, you know, I, I I feel like I know a lot about Shibuya K, but, uh, yeah, there was a a ton of stuff in those those videos that, yeah, I had no idea.
1: I was impressed with the research. Yeah. Yeah. It's really impressive what you can do from Canada. Like I would assume you've been out here before or something like that. Like, yeah, I think it's incredible.
0: I I think Japan has already kind of enjoyed that particular sound and maybe, maybe it, maybe the, the resurgence comes from elsewhere. Like I, I think my ultimate goal is that I want to open a, a dialogue for some of these like lesser explored subgenres, um, in English. And if that's, you know, Japanese indie or should be a K I, I want to try to, you know, w- with whatever small influence I can make, I want to try to create something of like an umbrella that you can kind of go and find other people who are into this stuff. Cause it's worth talking about and it's worth, find
2: it. Agreed. (laughs) It's really hard to find. I mean, that's why it's so nice to be able to talk with you today because, um, yeah, I mean, it is such a small uh, group of people that are aware of this uh, genre and that are sharing it, you know, and sharing knowledge, their knowledge of it. So, yeah, it's really you're doing God's work is <laughs> the way I look at it. <laughs> um, I did want to, I did want to ask well, like, thanks. what's next. Uh, I mean, I have a, a bit, I had a bit of a sneak peek, so, you know, I'm a little f- fortunate, but, um, mm-hmm. and you mentioned like your, th- some videos you'd like to do down the line, but I know that, uh, something's on the horizon. So you want to share that with us?
0: Yeah. Um, I guess this would be a good time to announce, uh, video number three. Um, and what I want to do for that is I want to take some time to talk about the uh, Korean new wave and the Hallyu and kind of put that into like one package that kind of explains everything. Because I think that is, that, that's kind of a big, important movement that happened. And there's a lot of opportunities to kind of talk about artists and, you know, actors and all, all these different things. But there there's just nobody who really does like a talks about it on any of these platforms. Like there's, you can, you can go on Wikipedia and read about it, but there's like, you know, sometimes you just want to watch everything presented to you in one neat little package. And I think that's kind of how I think of myself. Like I, I'm not an expert on, on this material by a long shot. I I think that I'm just kind of, my prerogative is to make the videos that I wish that other people were making. Basically. I think so far you're you're a master um, synthesizer where you've
1: yeah. taken so many different sources <laughs> and you put it together in a way that, you know, feels really smooth. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're grasping from thirty different places. You put it together with a certain tone that matches and it's really easy to, to digest. So that's what's cool. I was curious. Uh, right are you referring on. to the first uh Haru or the the current one? Which wave?
0: I, I want to I want to give it like maybe by by each movement or by decade or something like that. But just just I, I want to talk a little bit. The idea is that I talk a little bit about um, how Korea came to be like sort of a cultural exporter, but then tie it into like the indie music scene somehow, and just kind of go in that direction because that that to me is a little bit more interesting. But. It, it might that might be a bit of a weird segue, and I might have to do like pop culture first and then indie kind of in a later video. We'll, we'll see where, where it goes. I think it'd be basically. really popular.
1: I mean, I'm I love Shibuya K and stuff. Uh, I think a lot of the people in the BTS and all that, you know, which is huge right now, would love to go back and kind of learn where that yeah. came from. So I, I could see that having a
0: huge audience. Well, that's the thing. Like, I I, I want to continue to talk about the Shibuya K stuff. I, I just I think the the thing to do is to try to bring some of these people together who might be into it, but might not know it yet. Like, there's there's definitely a lot of people who, when they see this music for the first time, are like, oh, damn, this is sweet. But, like, they had no way of finding it before. So, if you create that platform kind of for people, I I think that that could be something really cool. Is there a certain,
1: like, um, as someone who's kind of starting a new, I mean, you've been in the game for a while online. But your new channel—is there a certain like philosophy or anything that kind of ties it together? I mean, so far we could say it's Japanese and it's going to be Korean, so it's Asian-based. Is it kind of just subgenres of music, mm-hmm. or would you say have, have you thought that far in advance yet, or not really?
0: I was kind of laughing at myself the other day. I put a very brief description. I just put J indie slash <sighs> underground uh, in the description, which is like that's the idea. But uh, I don't know if. That's where it's going to go. I think ultimately, I just kind of judge based on what people want to see, and just kind of move towards that. Because ultimately, it's about the people watching, really. If if people are interested in something, I'll, you know, as long as I think it's it's worth going into, I think that's what I want to do. But yeah, just staying in that general sphere is of just kind of indie music from the Far East and, like, the context and how things kind of got there would be good. I think there's a real um, movement
1: there. Like, are you, are you familiar with 88 yeah. Rising? Uh, 88 uh, Rising no. is a, a modern Design. record label, but now record labels, I mean, they would kind of argue they're dead. I would say it's like a lifestyle movement is what you'd categorize it as now. They're out of California, and it's run by, I believe, a Japanese-American. I'm not sure how many generations he's in. But you know Joji, the singer Joji? Um he, he kind of yeah, got yeah. his come up through, through their channel and uh, promoting his stuff. And um, then they just started putting out tons of Asian nice. artists from, from all countries in Asia. And it's kind of the thing that unifies them together is and they have millions and millions of views. So it's, it's the most, in terms of Asian art or Asian music right now, it's probably, besides K-pop, uh, it's probably the thing actually blowing up the biggest. It's not my favorite style always. It's sometimes a little too, um, I, I don't know what the term is, ma- mainstream um, but, uh, it's still cool and it's big and it, I think there's room for expanding that, you know, in and less of a mainstream way. I think once people digest that, they're going to want to know where this stuff came from or what their influences are. So it sounds like, uh, your channel would, would bridge that gap.
0: I'm going to look into Another that. Page, yeah, that's, like, uh, that's definitely something like uh,
1: hundreds of millions of views. Some of their videos, you know, they're, they're a big, and they're all a- Asian based, um, yeah, so a lot of stuff out of China is pretty fascinating because I, I don't know a whole lot about about that.
0: Yeah, China has a cool uh, indie music yeah. scene as well. It's that's not something I've explored. And Hong Kong, there's one band from Hong Kong, um, My Little Airport. I've kind of been into for a while. They're they're fun. They're pretty cool. cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think that'll be. Uh, what I continue to, uh, pursue. I, 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 am somebody who also tend, I I was going to
2: say, you know, don't, this is your chance to promote. So, um, uh, don't forget about the city pop video, the history of city pop, because, uh, I know that hasn't been released yet and that's on the horizon, right? That's your next video coming out, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I have uh, the history of City Pop that comes out. Um, I want to say before the end of the month, um, and I just I just remember something. So that will be, I think covering. I wanted to try to cover uh, the things that haven't already been said in the. There's like three or four pretty good City Pop uh, kind of introductory videos on YouTube and they're, they're pretty cool, but none of them really explained the, uh, the broader kind of context of the movement. So that's kind of what I am going for with this video. Um, it's a, it's a fun, it's it, it's a lot shorter than the Shibuya one, but it, it's, uh, I'm pretty proud of where it's at, but I will probably announce a release date for it. Um, within the next day.
2: And this is uh, January. We're, um, we're recording this in mid Mid-January 2021.
0: Yeah, probably probably before the end of the month, I want to say. But we'll see. I I have a couple people uh, who I usually reach out to for feedback and stuff like that. Um, One person I have to shout out to, though, is um, Carousel, or he changed his name to Blushing Carousel. Um, he's the guy who did the, uh, background music and the, uh, the sound effects and stuff for the channel. Um, you should go, uh, anyone who's listening, if you are into like the more kind of Pico pop kind of sound, go check out his album, uh, Dolce potato. It's like this really fun kind of, it's somewhere between like toyish Pico pop and just like, uh, Chip tune sounds up my alley. It sounds cool. Or yeah. synth pop, yeah, yeah. But he he's been he's been awesome. I, I I tend I tend to just bounce ideas off of him and stuff like that. So he's he's a, he's a cool guy. You should go check out his album.
1: I wanted to kind of end on an idea, and maybe we'll use yeah. this. We kind of have like a hook that we grab people in with. But um, you know, our audience of our show, we're not like a music based show. Uh, we cover kind of all aspects of Japanese subculture. Uh, so for a lot of people, this is going to be their first mm-hmm. time. You know, I mean, if they've heard all our episodes, it wouldn't be the first time, but if they're jumping in uh, recently, this would be the first time they've heard us kind of go into shibuya K. So why should people listen to shibuya Uh Why is it a cool genre to go check out?
0: I think that modern indie music or modern electronic music owes a lot more to the sound of shibuya K than people give it uh, credit. Um, there's definitely something to be said for like artists, like, uh, kind of, kind of when, when everything kind of shifted in the nineties, like when, um, when all of a sudden people were doing what Beck was doing, when they started like making all these weird combinations of genres, I think that, well, that was a global movement. A lot of people looked to Shibuya K as, as like kind of a, A reference for that kind of notion and just just from like a music historical perspective i i think that you really owe it to yourself to check out some of these artists because these some of these albums like phantasma or point or some of the some of the pizzicato stuff is like uh, like that's not just the best that Japan has to offer like those are some of the best albums that I have found like they're they're incredible so if you're looking for like really playful kind of music that has this really I, I think the the appeal is is that it feels familiar but different like it it's there's an interesting psychological effect when you're kind of consuming media that is like it has like a nostalgic kind of feeling like you've been there before, but there's something strange and you can't quite put your finger on it. I think that, that really intrigues a lot of people. So that, that's, I think what draws me in to the genre. Cool, man. Well said,
1: (laughs) very well said. Yeah. Did you want to shout out your channel or your social media? So people will know exactly where to go find you.
0: Yeah. Uh, go to YouTube and subscribe to me. I'm chalk music. Uh, or you can go find chalk music on Twitter. Yeah, I, I uh, the name is is silly. That's a Tomosuke song, A Chocolate Philosophy. I, I didn't ever think I was gonna be showing my face to people on the <laughs> internet, so <laughs> 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 kind of got stuck with that one. It was a joke one day. I was like, oh, it's a username. Oh, yeah, okay. That that's yeah. what happens, man. But yeah, no. Lots of exciting things coming up on the channel. Um, a lot of videos coming up in the next like 2 or 3 months that are I think going to be exciting there's a there's a I, I'm not going to there's another one that's exciting I'm not going to reveal it yet but I will at the end of the uh the you video so awesome. stay awesome. tuned for stuff Yeah, that one. Mean, yeah, yeah.
1: stuff that no, no one else is doing out there so uh, we're you know some of your biggest fans and we hope people in our audience do right uh, similar sensibilities and, and likes will uh, go ahead and, and check you out
0: uh any f- final Awesome. Well, thank you, thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, it was a awesome. pleasure. I mean, you
2: don't get to talk about Shibuya K with uh, others very often,
1: so um, you know we had to take this opportunity to do so. Song of the right show is usually what we do now, so uh, we'll probably—I don't know—have multiple songs throughout this episode. Maybe. Uh, probably. I think we'll splice creative. some
2: stuff in. Yeah.
1: But is there like one particular song or uh, musician that's not too underground? Because we gotta we gotta have the file, you know, Ooh. to uh, put it on, but.
0: Oh yo, right. yo. I got one. There's there's this one uh track. It's uh Age of Chance by Lost oh, okay. That's like that's been an, like I don't know why, but there's something about that track I find really like it's it's got that like earworm effect. Like that, that song is always going around in my head. Like it's not like the best track in the world or anything like that, but something about the vibe of that song is like super cool and that I don't know. I just if if I'm like just kind of zoning out and I've got like music in, on my mind or something, I, that one comes up all the time. I think that's that's a good one. Yeah, that that Losfeld, he has like two main albums, I think, and they're he's pretty underrated. I know he was probably he probably marketed it more as like producer, like music to be licensed out like i i've watched a couple variety shows and stuff like that and kind of heard his tunes come up in the background and been like what but i don't think he really had any uh mainstream like commercial sex like success like that but that's i think what happened to he owns a record store yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah. and actually i think david and i both met him without knowing it was him uh he owns a record store in shibuya and um forget what the name of the record store is but um, yeah it's it's him and he's just running, running selling the records it's like an indie record shop he's kind of gotten out of the electronic stuff but,
0: oh that's
1: cool um, but yeah yeah that's awesome
2: so yeah Fell it is uh, thanks for listening to Japan 2.0 uh, you can find us all over the internet at Japan uh, 2.0 we're on Twitter Facebook and Instagram and anywhere you find high-quality podcasts. Maybe one day we'll be on YouTube. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> hint, hint.
0: <laughs>
2: And, uh, yeah, um, thank you for listening.